Just a quick correction. Our business administrator came over to me just now and told me that all of the legacy things for the kids is one week later. So you still have one week to get everything in. So uh, that, w- that wasn't clarified uh, through, I don't know if that is different in the bulletin, but that we just want to make sure that everything shifts one week later. So you still have a week if you're still planning on doing that and getting that together with your kids. So, uh, you know, I, I love... I love this church, and I love being a part of this body, and my family is blessed uh, to be in this church. How many would agree with me on that? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm excited to share with you guys from God's Word this morning. I know that each time that we come together, uh, that's what our, our heart's desire is, is to hear from the Lord and really have Him speak to our hearts. And so I really want to try and get out of the way today, and we just really want to hear the heart of the Holy Spirit for our lives this morning. And so we're going to look to God's Word. Would you just pray with me right now as we prepare our hearts uh, for God to speak to us? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. God, we understand clearly that... God, we want to know you in a greater capacity. And God, through your word and through the life of Joseph, uh, a man of God, we're going to learn biblical principles, Lord Jesus, that we can apply to our lives. I pray, God, that as we look in the application areas, Lord, that you would open our hearts and reveal the areas, Lord, in where, where we need to change so that we can become more like you. So God, that's our heart's desire today. Pray, God, that you would use your word to speak to our lives and transform our hearts in this moment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in uh, the midst of a series that we're calling Seasons of Testing, but from Dreams to Destiny. But we're talking about Seasons of Testing, and last week we talked about one of the tests through the life of Joseph. And, um, you know, I knew that this wasn't going to be one of the easiest series for us to handle because none of us like tests. In school, we weren't sitting there waiting, going, oh, I can't wait for the next test that comes. You know, none of us in life sit there and go, man, I can't wait for the next trial. I can't wait for the next test in my life. And so th- this is, as we look at this, uh, it, it feels like life is full of tests. And really, how God changes and touches our character in special ways is through seasons of testing. But our series really hangs on more of the fact that we're going to have tests and we're going to have trials and there are going to be difficult times. It hangs really on the, on the fact that God has a great plan and a purpose for every person in this room. That not a single person could walk in this room without coming to the understanding that God has an incredible plan, an incredible purpose. There is a reason why you are on this planet. You are not an accident. It was not chance. But God has an incredible destiny for your life. Now that's the exciting part. But what happens is, is in order for God to get us to the place where we would fulfill our destiny, there are many things that have to happen in our life. We actually have to change and transform to become more and more like Jesus. And how does that happen? Well, some of it's through getting to know God in a closer way, uh, reading his word, um, you know, spending time coming to know Jesus in a a closer capacity. But the, the reality of it is, is that many times God brings us to a place where our character is challenged and changed to the place where it can support the destiny that God has for us. And so how did that happen? 
Our key verse throughout the series is found in Psalm chapter 105, verse 19 in the New Living Translation. It says this, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. That's what God did. He tested his character. It's interesting to note that character is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? It's not one of the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, I can't just say, well, this morning we're going to pray for everybody who's weak in character. Could you all come from your seats and line up in front here? We're going to have our prayer team come down, and they're going to lay hands on you, and they're going to pray for you that you would receive character. doesn't work that way. It, it, it doesn't happen that way. You see, what happens is, is that, that Jesus brings salvation in our life, but you know what? Tests bring character. Tests and trials, character is built through trials, through opportunities where we could do something wrong, but instead we choose to do what is right. And our character is honed and built through those kind of situations, through those circumstances. You see, guys, your dreams can take you places, but only your character can keep you there. You see, God could, could have taken Joseph from the pit to second in command, but his character was not ready for it yet. And you know what? There are a lot of people in this room. God has a great plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. God wants to use you in more powerful ways than you could ever ask or imagine. But th- guess what? God can't place you in that place yet because your character would not support the weight of your destiny. So what do we do? Well, God's plan for your life requires you to be more like him. Robert Morris wrote, every destiny carries with it great responsibility. There is a responsibility. Last week we talked about the pit test. That when we're sitting at the bottom of the pit, we have two choices. As we're sitting at the bottom of the pit, we have two choices. The first choice is this, to hold close to our pride and complain. Everyone remember that part? Complain? Anyone practice that part this week? (laughs) Nobody wants to admit that? You sit at the bottom of the pit and you have the choice to hold on to your pride and complain or you can humble yourself in that moment and cry out to God. And you see, Joseph changed in the pit. A different guy went into the pit who came out and we can see that through uh, the the, the story that we're going to be looking at today in God's word. You see, guys... Joseph moved very rapidly from the pit to the palace. So this morning we're going to be talking about the palace test. The palace test in all of our lives. Now the palace test isn't as glamorous as many of you think. Oh yeah, it feels a lot better than the pit test. I'll admit that. It feels a whole lot better. The pit test is not very fun. The palace test is pretty good. Actually, things are going pretty well for you. Things are going well and you're doing good. And, and, but the test in... The palace test is kind of a tricky one. It's difficult. In fact, all of us in this room have struggled with the palace test more than once in our lifetime already. And this is what the palace test is. If you take your Bible and turn with me to Genesis chapter 39, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And we're just going to walk through this. And I'm going to explain to you what the palace test is in each of our lives. What can we learn from the life of Joseph? 
Genesis 39, verses 1 through 6. Let's just read verse 1, and we'll talk about each of these verses, because we just have a short chunk here. Genesis 39, verse 1, it says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, or Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So Joseph goes from life in a pit to being pulled out, set on the auction block, and on the auction block, a man walks by and he sees Joseph and he says, I think that guy would be a very good slave. And so he actually purchases Joseph. He, he purchases him, and as a slave, Joseph was never paid. He was never remunerated for his services. He was owned. Potiphar held the life of Joseph in his hand. Verse 2 goes on to say, The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. The Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. How many of you would like to be recognized by other people by the fact that the Lord is with you? Wouldn't that be good? That you're going around doing your life and living your life in a way to honor and please God and people would take notice and they would say, man, you, you, it, it's like God is with you all the time. It would be an incredible attribute or it would be an incredible thing for for people to take physical notice. And that was what Joseph's life was like. He was recognized by the fact that God was with him. And in fact, the Bible says that Joseph had changed from the pit to the palace because this is what it says in in verse 2, that Joseph was very successful in all he did as he served Potiphar. As he served Potiphar. It was different. Remember the, the, the cocky guy that ended up in the pit? You remember that? The 17-year-old that was doing his own thing and he was running the show? All of a sudden that 17-year-old finds himself on an auction block and humbled in the greatest way. But the plan of God was still upon his life and he served faithfully the master that was placed over him. Verse 3. It said, Potiphar noticed this. And realized that the Lord Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. There was a physical representation of the presence of God on Joseph's life that was noticed by others. In fact, Joseph was a man that, that people could see that God was with him. In fact, this is one of the many times that we see in the life of Joseph that Potiphar noticed and said the presence of God is with him. And when Joseph ends up in the prison test where he ends up in jail, the, the jailer says, I noticed that the presence of God is with him. And ultimately, when he interprets the dream for Pharaoh over here, and he stands at the foot of his destiny, what is the thing that Pharaoh says about him? Where can we find anyone that the Lord is more present with than this man right here? That was the calling card of his life, that the presence of God was with him in everything that he did. Verse 4, it says this. So Potiphar gets an idea. Verse 4, this pleased Potiphar. When he saw the presence of God was on Joseph's life, this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant, and he put him in charge of the entire household and everything that he owned. Everything that was under Joseph's care. Potiphar noticed that everything that was under his oversight flourished. 
His blessing was transferred from Joseph's life to actually everything that was under his care. So Potiphar knew that if I put anything or everything under Joseph's care, the blessing will flow down through Joseph onto everything that I own. This was a smooth move. This is a good idea. Potiphar could see the blessing of God flowed through Joseph's life. So we see that in verse 5, from the day Joseph was put in charge of the master's household and property, the Lord's, Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for J- Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. Everything that was under Joseph's care did well. It, it flourished. The crops, the livestock, the household affairs. He walked in the blessing of the Lord. Could you imagine how valuable you would be to an employer if you carried with you the anointing of Joseph. Incredibly valuable. People would be fighting over you to come and work for them. We see that the presence of God was flowing in a powerful way through Joseph's life. And in verse 6 it says, Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was very handsome and well-built young man. That's the end of verse 6. Joseph was so blessed and he did so well that Potiphar didn't concern him with anything. Didn't concern him at all about what, what was going on around him or anything like that, anything under his oversight. So Joseph's life shifts from the pit to the palace in a hurry. He goes from being on the auction block wondering who will buy him to running the personal affairs of the captain of the guard. His life shifted drastically from being a free man in a pit to being a slave in a palace. Sometimes we wonder which we would rather be. So here's the palace test, guys. Catch this, okay? Joseph was given rule over everything in the palace, but nothing in the palace truly belonged to him. That's the palace test. He was given rule over everything in the palace, but nothing in the palace truly belonged to him. But his attitude was far better in the palace than it was in the pit. Verse 2 says that Joseph served Potiphar with passion. He didn't consider the blessing on his life something that he did, but rather something that God did. And the best way to describe Joseph's life is in this simple term, steward. The palace test is about stewardship. Now, some of you might have never heard that word before. Steward basically means that, that similarly to Joseph, everything in the palace was under his command or under his power, but he didn't own any of it. It's the same thing in every Christian's life. Everything that you possess is under your authority, but the reality of it is, is that you're not the owner. God is. And the palace test is coming to the realization that we are simply stewards of everything that God has given us. So how do we pass this test? We're going to look through it and kind of tear it apart. You see, Joseph didn't try and overthrow Potiphar. 
here. He didn't say, well, I have the blessing of God and I have the anointing of God, so guess what? I'll be the boss and you be the servant. How's that sound? He doesn't try and do that. We see Joseph understood his place. He had been humbled in the pit. He knew that it was the blessing that God had poured out. He understood that he was the overseer of the blessing, but not the owner of the blessing. He understood he was the overseer of it. God was with him, and ultimately it was God's blessing. But this is where the palace test starts. There are many pieces to the palace test, and I tried to to incorporate it into about three different pieces. And these are the main components. We're going to look at Joseph's life, and then we're going to look at our life, okay? So the main components of the palace test is this. Number one, Joseph's understanding of his place allowed the blessing to flow. Joseph never claimed that the blessing was something that he owned or that it was his. He understood that everything comes from God and he was simply a steward of the blessing of God. The second thing that we see in the palace test is the blessing of God was a testimony to others that God was with Joseph. It was a testimony to others. You see, as Joseph continued through his test, he, not- he was noted by people that he came in contact with that God was with him. People didn't focus on his talent or his wisdom or his hardworking or, or his character. People noticed that God used Joseph in a special way, that the presence of God was upon his life. The blessing of God was a testimony to others. And the third thing, and the third test, and this is really the ultimate test of the palace test, is this. Is the test was simply a proportion test to see if Joseph could be faithful in the little. Could Joseph be faithful in the little things? Why was it absolutely critical for Joseph to pass the palace test? Why? This is why. Because if you can't take care of the resources of one man's palace, how are you going to take care of the resources for an entire country that is dying of famine? He had to pass this test. It was vital and critical to his future. He had to manage well the blessing of God upon his life. See, guys, this is the biblical principle of if you're faithful in little, then you can ultimately be trusted with much. Each of us here this morning have faced the palace test. In order to pass the palace test in our own lives, we have to understand and apply the basic principles that Joseph did as well. And these are them. The first one is this. Understanding that we are stewards of everything we have allows God's blessing to flow through us. If you understand that everything you have is not yours, but rather God's, then God's blessing can flow through your life. You see, guys, remember the statement we said earlier, Joseph was given rule over everything in the palace, but not, not anything in the palace belonged to him. That is really the realization of a good steward. Everything in this life is owned by God and all that we have has been entrusted to us to take care of. Everything that we have. Now, when we use the word steward, many people get uncomfortable because they immediately think of money. That's what they think of. Right away they go, oh, 
let's not talk about stewardship. We don't want to talk, we don't, we don't want to mess with that. But here's the thing, guys. Well, money is just a small portion of stewardship, just a fraction of the huge portion of stewardship that God is asking from your life. The question is, are you using the blessings that God has given you in a way that God would want or in a way that you would want? Are you using everything that God has given to you in in the capacity of your life? Are you using it the way that God would want or are you simply using it the way that you would want? That's the question of the palace test. Now, this can get really dicey in our American culture because we've been taught that if you work hard for your money, then you deserve to spend it on anything. But the reality of that is, that's a lie. As a Christian, you are simply a steward of God's resources, and we need to hold loosely to the things that are not really ours in the first place. Because if you hold too tightly... Wait a minute, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to finish that. We'll maybe get there in, in a minute here. I want to talk first about the areas of good stewardship that God is calling each of us to. And be willing to turn these areas over fully to God today. So I don't know what area that you're struggling in, in the area of stewardship, but we're going to walk through quite a few of these. And, and you know what? When, when we're talking about each of these individual things, just ask the Holy Spirit right now in your heart, God, do I have a struggle with turning this over to you fully and holy? Can you work in my heart this morning? So this morning, we, well, let's just start with money. Do you treat the money that you have like it is God's and not yours? Do you consult God on purchases for his guidance and for his wisdom? If God was in need of some money today that you have been taking care of, how easily accessible would it be to him? What if you went to the bank, you walked in the bank and you said, hey, just put in a check last week, I need a portion of it, can I have a couple thousand dollars? And the bank goes, well, we just really like money. So, no. They would be bad stewards. Yet sometimes God speaks to our heart to accomplish something for his kingdom, and he goes and he says, hey, can I have some of my money? And we go, No, I like money. Now think of it this way. How long would you keep the bank if they kept rejecting you from taking out your own money? Maybe you ever thought that maybe God says to the stewards that are holding on to things like they're theirs, maybe God might say, well, maybe I should take some of this and put it in with someone else who is more willing to reciprocate or give out the things that I want. Ever thought about that principle? So when we look at this in our life, we think, okay, are you being a good steward of your money? That's just one portion of being a good steward. Another portion is, are you being a good steward of your time? Are you being a good steward of, of, of the time? Do you waste time? Do you have non-productive time in your life? Do you take time each day, special time, to consult with the Lord in prayer and direction and guidance for your day? 
and saying, God, I want to be a good steward of my time today. Would you please use me the way that you want me to be used rather than me just doing the things that I want to do? Another thing about your time is if God speaks to your heart to help someone or to do something to advance the kingdom, does your schedule allow for those God moments? Does your schedule allow for those God moments? Because if, if, if you've sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and you're too busy, is that being a good steward of our time? Another area is your health. Are you being a good steward of your health? Now, some people would say, oh, that doesn't sound like a stewardship issue, but the reality of it is, if we ignore our health and don't take care of our physical bodies and we're not able to function at the highest level to serve the Lord, we must steward our health to be ready at any moment should God call us to a task requiring great amounts of energy. We need to be good stewards of our health. Now, listen, guys, these things... I. I like to hold on to my money sometimes. I get so busy, there's times when I sense the Holy Spirit saying something and I'm going, oh Lord, can I schedule in at four o'clock here? You know, I, I, there are times in my life where, yeah, I, sh- I could shed a few pounds, I'm not as healthy as I should be. So guys, we're all in the same boat here, okay? I just want you to know, I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody because I live in a glass house up here, okay? We're all struggle with the palace test on a continuous basis, every single one of us. Another one, another thing that you can steward well for the Lord is your knowledge or your experience. If you have been given a great talent or ability, are you willing to use it for the Lord? Are you stewarding your knowledge of certain areas or expertise, expertise or experience and helping other people grow in those things? Are you being a good steward of those things? Maybe another one is, are you being a good steward of your talents or your influence? Are you stewarding the platforms that God gives you for his honor and for his glory to impact other people's lives? You see, maybe you're here this morning, especially for young people, maybe God has given you an incredible music ability. And you say, you know what, God, I want to use this for your honor and your glory. You know what that music ability is? It's simply a platform for God to, for you to step up and have the opportunity to speak out. You know, I talk to my, my kids are very active in sports, and I talk to my oldest son. I say, Cole, listen, basketball is nothing but a platform. It's the opportunity for you to have a, an ability to influence your peers for Jesus Christ, period. That's all it is. God has given you those abilities. Use them to the highest potential that you can to gain a platform to influence others. That's all it is. What talents and abilities do you have this morning? Maybe you sit. Maybe you're very good at business. Maybe God has placed you in a special place in, in, in a business or, or you serve on boards or committees or different things like that. Maybe you're a leader of a company or of a groups of people. Steward the influence well for the Lord. Don't just separate that. Church is Sunday. Business is Monday. God wants to use the platforms that he has given you to influence people's lives. Are you being a good steward of that? The last one is, are you stewarding, are you a good steward of your children or your grandchildren? That's an odd one. Do you train your children or your family to be good stewards of their lives? 
I've had people, I've had people that have um, discouraged their children from going into ministry. They've discouraged them because they, they have a stereotype or a thought of, oh, different things, or it's not an easy, it's not an easy place to be in full-time ministry. And so I've actually had parents that have discouraged kids. I remember um, just, a, just a quick story about my parents. When I was getting ready to go to Bible college, my parents didn't have a lot of money, and they weren't sure if they could afford a private schooling for me. And there was a lady in the church uh, there was a lady in the church whose son wanted to go into ministry, but they were a little bit hesitant They're, the, as parents. They were a little hesitant. They said, I don't know if he should go into ministry, and they just weren't sure. And, uh, and after a few months, their son started to backslide and no longer served the Lord. And so my mom was hesitating and not sure whether they could send me to Bible college and, and, and how that would all play out. And this lady pulled my mom into her office and through tears she said, listen, do whatever it takes to, to fulfill the call of God upon your son's life. Do whatever it takes. Guys, sometimes we, we don't steward. One of my daughters is, is, has, at a young age was called to be a missionary to Brazil at a very young age. The Holy Spirit spoke to her. She has felt confirmation of this many times. Listen, as a father, that's hard for me, even as a pastor. Missionaries are my heroes, but listen, it's very difficult. What if God calls one of my children to a very, a very dangerous place? What if, what if God causes my grandchildren to grow up on another continent and I don't get to see them as much as I'd like to? Am I willing to steward that as a parent and say, I'm willing to allow God to use my children in whatever capacity he wants? That's what we do as we hold babies up here and we dedicate them to the Lord. What it is, is it's stewardship. It's stewardship. It's saying, God, even this baby that was born from our physical bodies here, even this baby is not mine, but I am just a steward in which you have entrusted me with this child, and I give them back to you for your honor, for your purposes, for your glory. Are you being a good steward, even of your family, of your children and your grandchildren? So, understanding that we are stewards of everything we have allows God or God's blessing to flow through us. That's the first step of the palace test. The second step is this. The blessing God gives you is a testimony to his greatness. The blessing that God gives you is a testimony to his greatness. Now there are a lot of people that get a little bit skittish if I say this word, prosperity. There are people that get a little bit, mm, Let's steer away from that, Sheldon. The problem is it's in the Bible. And you know what? I'm not saying that every person in this room is, is predestined to be rich or something like that. But listen, guys, throughout Scripture, it, 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 it says that if we are faithful stewards to God, he will pour out his blessing in abundance upon our lives. Okay? But is it for our glory so that we could be rich and we could have a, a nice house and all of the things that we want to do and all of these kind of things? Is that what it's the purpose is for? No, it's really so that God blesses us for a purpose, so that we can be a good steward of everything that he has given us. 
So we see that as we learn to become better stewards, God pours out his blessing more and more upon our lives. His glory is lifted high, and he is honored through that. You see, guys, God promises his blessing in many places in Scripture, but it comes at a great price. See, there are a lot of people that say, God, I want you to prosper me. I want you to pour out your blessing upon my life, but it costs you something. Do you know what it costs you? To be prosperous, obedience. Obedience and good stewardship. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11. This is, this is just one portion of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28. God tells the people of Israel here that he wants to pour out blessing in their life. He wants to do it, but it's their choice. So if God were standing here and he said, listen, I want to pour out blessing in your life in abundance this morning. If God would stand up here and say, I want to pour out a blessing to every single person in this room in abundance, but it's your choice. Let's take a look at this scripture and see what what the choice is. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28, reading from the New Living Translation, it's on the screen. It says, look, today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, that I am giving you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord, your God, and turn away from him and worship gods you have not known before. You see, guys, obedience to God plays a key role in the blessing being poured out in our life. Will you be a faithful steward of the blessing that God pours into your life? Scripture is clear. There is blessing in obedience. You see, obedience to God is the truest indication that our hearts truly belong to him. See, God's blessing is a true testimony to those around us that God is real and that he wants an active part in our life. The third principle, and this is the last principle this morning. So hang with me, but this is very important. Being faithful in small things equates greater blessing in your life. Being faithful in small things equates greater blessing in your life. You remember the key verse for our, our whole series? It says, Psalm 105, 19, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. So we see here that it was a portion test. God took Joseph and he said, if you are faithful in this palace test, then I want to later on pour out in abundance and use you in your destiny to actually save a nation and many nations around you. They're proportionate tests. If you're faithful in the small tasks, then there will be even greater tasks to come. Jesus spoke of this biblical principle in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. And this is how it reads. If you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, then you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Jesus just laid it out pretty simple. So this tells us, That there are times in our lives as stewards that God gives us certain tasks that may seem small and insignificant, 
but really how we do those things and whether we do a good job with those small responsibilities is the determination on whether God will continue to give us bigger responsibilities or larger responsibilities. You see, guys, there are a lot of people in this room that you dream of doing great things for God, yet you neglect the small things that God gives you, and God says, I need a faithful servant in the small things, in the little areas of your life. Maybe this morning God is revealing to you the times that he's been testing your character. Maybe this morning God is asking you to be more faithful in the little areas of your life. Maybe God is looking for you to be radically obedient so that he can pour out his blessing in abundance. Guys, I want to look at three applications this morning very quickly. So now we take all of the biblical principles that we have here and how do we apply these to our lives right here very quickly. Number one is this. I think that possibly this morning God is speaking to people in the area of stewardship today so that you would come to a place of fully understanding that everything that you have in this life is truly God's and not yours. Maybe this morning God is speaking to your heart and he says that I have a great plan and purpose for your life. Would you just relinquish control of it to me? Is that you this morning? Would you say in your heart right now, you go, you know what, I I really have been living my life for myself. I've really been using all of my resources on myself. I've really been self-focused and self-centered and really I'm not being a very good steward. And God is saying, listen, I have a great plan and a purpose for your life. Would you just relinquish control of everything today? I'm not talking about 75%, 85%, 95%. God is saying, is there a person in this room that would say today, I'm willing to go all in. God, I'm willing to go all in. I want to hear your voice. I want to be obedient. I want to be a great steward of everything that you have given me. Second application this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. And you struggle with the fact that, that you, you override the power with God. That, that, that somehow in your, in your mind or your heart, you think that you have accomplished all of the things that you do. You actually are hoarding God's blessing. That he, out of his love and out of his grace, has blessed you in incredible ways. And what you're doing is you're hoarding all of the glory for yourself. You know what God is asking, and I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning, is that God would begin to say, listen, the reason why I have placed you in the place where you work, the reason why I have placed you on that board or in that office, the reason why I've given you these gifts and talents and abilities is so that you can have a platform to honor and glorify me in a powerful way in your life. You know what? Maybe your platform is just having favor with a few friends in town. Maybe that's the platform that you have. It's a great platform to speak into people's life, to use it to honor and glorify God. 
Use every platform that God gives you to exalt him. So maybe you're here this morning, you say, you know what, God? And you just, right in this moment, you just surrender and you say, listen, God, I have, I've really been hoarding the glory thinking that I have accomplished this through my own strength. And God, the bottom line is, is that you have given me these platforms. And from this moment forward, I will use them for your honor and for your glory. The last application this morning is this, is to be faithful in the little things. To be a good employee, to be a great servant to those people around you. The Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Look at every day as an opportunity to be faithful to God, to be a faithful servant. Really being faithful in the little things is simply involving God in those little things and saying, I'm giving you, I'm doing all of this for your glory, Lord. Would you help me be faithful in the little things that you give me to accomplish? You know what? There are people in this room that you feel yourself as insignificant in the kingdom of God, and nothing could be more untrue. Because God is simply giving you small tasks in this moment right now because he has even greater plans and purposes and destinies for your life. And he is asking you to be faithful in those little things in this moment. He's calling out to you today. Will you be faithful? Will you be faithful? So this morning, guys, there are a lot of ways that we can pass the palace test is simply to be a good steward. But this morning before we close, and I really feel that we just need to, to do this. I just ask that everyone would just bow your heads in this moment for just, just a minute. And the ultimate act of stewardship is to surrender your life fully and wholly to Jesus Christ. And maybe you're in this room this morning today and you would simply say, Pastor Sheldon, I don't really understand all of the things that you're talking about, about stewardship, but I do know this, that I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I sense God pulling at my heart today and I want to surrender my life to him fully and wholly I want to be a good steward of the plan and the purpose that God has for my life. And I've been doing it my own way and doing my own thing. But I want to, I want to turn that over to Jesus Christ today. Is there anyone in this room this morning, in this moment, that you would say, Pastor Sheldon, that's me. I want to turn my life completely and fully over to Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand in this moment right now? Is there anyone here? Thank you, sir. Yes. Three, four, five in the front here. Thank you. At the back. Once you raise your hand, you can put your hand down. Yes, excellent. Thank you, sir. At the back, I saw that. Anyone else? Anyone else? Maybe you're here this morning and you've really turned away from God. And in this moment, you say, Okay, God, I surrender. I'm going to come back to you. Is there anyone in this room that's in that boat today? Do you say, I need to surrender? Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Anyone else? Yes, thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Yes, thank you. I see that. Thanks, buddy. You bet. You can put your hand down. Would you pray with me as a congregation? Everyone in the room today? Because really, the reality of it is, is that all of us want to be good stewards of our life. So if you've raised your hand this morning, why don't we just repeat this prayer after me today? And everyone in the room just respond this morning as well. 
Would you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I want to be a good steward, a good manager of everything that you've entrusted to me. So the number one thing I want to do today is relinquish my control on my life and turn my life completely over to you. God, would you forgive me of my sin and that you would fill my life to overflowing so that I could serve you and be a faithful servant from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that when one person comes to know Jesus in a personal way like we just prayer, the Bible says that all of heaven erupts in a giant celebration. So I'm wondering, how do you guys feel about If you, if you prayed this morning that prayer for the first time, you know what? We would love to connect you. If you came with a friend, ask them more questions about that. Tell someone that you made that decision this morning. It's very important and that you continue on and be a faithful steward to what God has given you. You know what, guys? It's really exciting to see God moving in people's hearts and their lives. Be a faithful steward in everything that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart this week. Lord bless you guys.